0: Just now in the in the US with the, you know, MLC collective doing what they're doing and just US royalties from digital platforms, you know, their initial report was 500 million of unclaimed royalties that publishers and songwriters and rights holders kind of have free access to hopefully claim and, and play a part in getting that.
1: It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. I'm going to share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician, and it's only getting better. If you have high-quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're going to show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, I'm excited to be here today with Kyle Thede. Kyle is the Director of Copyright at SongTrust, which is the world's largest technology solution for global music publishing, royalty collection, and administration. Before joining SongTrust, Kyle held copyright and licensing roles at EMI Music Publishing, Sony Music Publishing, and BMG. And his personal mission within the music publishing industry is to address the global bureaucracy that disrupts performance and growth so you can work with other professionals to help to rebuild some of the standards procedures and just the fundamental infrastructure within music to create a more equitable royalty collection ecosystem so holy cow what a what a mission that's that's awesome um thank you for coming on here to to talk a little bit about this stuff that i think a lot of us as musicians are we know is important but sometimes can fall by the wayside or we don't quite understand it. And so we just never really take advantage of it. So yeah, thanks so much for taking the time to be here today.
0: No, thanks for having me. This is a great opportunity to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So to start out with, I would love to just hear a little bit more about you and your story and how you got started at SongTrust.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I am much like a lot of people, moved to New York kind of with a bit of a hope to work in the music industry. And I didn't really have my sights set on anything in particular. I was very fortunate to get an internship at EMI, which at the time was the world's largest publishing company. And I was working in sync and just really was thrown into this world of licensing and copyright and, and, and how quickly it can get very complicated. Uh, mm-hmm. So from there, eventually transitioned into the copyright and rights management part of the industry, which led me to Song Trust. You know, working for some of the major companies early in my career showed me an opportunity. That perhaps with a smaller company could be more impactful just because big companies have a certain way of doing things, Mm. which is perfectly fine. So, Song Trust at the time was a startup, had probably right around 10 employees. So, I took my chances, and, and fortunately, it turned out quite well. You know, we're now probably about 150 employees managing a lot more songs and a lot more writers than when I started. So, it was not something I ever thought I'd get into this part of the industry, but I've enjoyed it because it is challenging and, and kind of unknown. So there is an opportunity to, to fix it. Um, Mm. and that's kind of what I've been striving for.
1: Awesome. Yeah. It definitely seems like the royalty collection from the little bit that I really understand about it, it just seemed like there's a big opportunity to streamline it and make it, you know, better. (laughs) And then comes logs song trust to help fulfill that, that need. So, so maybe you could share a little bit about, about that challenge that, that that issue that song trust has kind of come up to be able to serve. What was the problem that that you guys discovered as you're getting started?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, music publishing, especially, you know, specifically within any type of royalty collection is always the part of the industry that falls to the wayside or is a bit of an unknown, you know, I'd say historically speaking, in many ways, it was designed to shift power away from creators. You know, it was, you know, divided up and given an opportunity in many ways to be complicated and and allows for, you know, more administrators to be involved and third parties. And you know, historically speaking, you look back and you can read all the stories about how certain writers lost their, you know, publishing royalties to this, that, and the other. And then also the industry just as a whole, for the longest time, supported, you know, the top 10% of creators. And, you know, other than becoming affiliated with the Performance Rights Society and, and that, you know, the extent of publishing deals granted to, you know, the long tail or even the mid tail of creators really wasn't a thing. So with Song Trust, who is a sister company of Downtown Music Publishing, which is a bit more of a traditional organization and publisher, the goal was to just kind of extend who was incorporated in a global ecosystem because music was becoming more accessible. It's not uncommon for a writer from the U.S. to perhaps blow up in a different country, you know, and is that something that they have is accessible? And that's really where SongTrust was born out of. of just seeing, could we scale a business that kind of hasn't been put to that test before? And it's not without its challenges, certainly, you know, and now that that has extended to other companies getting involved and we're seeing more and more creators in that ecosystem probably than ever before, which is great. Hmm. very cool yeah
1: so, so it sounds like what you're saying is that you know song trust has basically come along to help shine a light and make things more transparent in a landscape where the royalties it was very confusing and complicated and you know there's, there's something about you know this is actually a kind of a disturbing thing like i don't even know if i should like be like be uh, talking about it but there was a, a I mean, it's not that bad. There was a a cockroach that we found. So we just had the hurricane here in Orlando and apparently in our neighborhood, there's other neighbors that are getting this too, but like cockroaches coming into their house. And so last, last (laughs) night I was putting down our daughter to bed. We have it caught on the nest cam. I was singing more than, more than words by extreme (laughs) and like putting her down (laughs) halfway through it. I'm like, what would you? (laughs) <laughs> Freaked out because there's a cockroach, and you know in this analogy, you know, the in the dark, you know cockroaches kind of like come out, and uh, when there's a light that's kind of shining, like they like they they scurry away, and so it seems like it's sort of just part of the natural landscape when there is some stuff that's kind of under you know, it's obfuscated or it's harder to see or it's like basically there's not a light being sh- shined on, it. it's easier, much much easier for kind of the cockroaches to come out or bad things to happen underneath the table. And so song trust is sort of like a light that like, you're like shining and providing this transparent look at, okay, like where, where's the money going and how much am I actually earned or how much am I owed? Even if I'm not one of the top, you know, 10% of artists, really, really cool.
0: Yeah. So, it's it's yeah. just to kind of piggyback on that a little bit. It, it, just, uh, there is a lot of, in the unknown of just what you'll find. And I, and I think publishing is a little bit of the lower value you know of the, the whole pie it is a smaller chunk than the whole so you know creators tend to focus on where the majority of their money is without realizing they're letting a perfectly normal royalty stream kind of pass them by um you know, we hear about it all the time and what's unclaimed in this industry and it's you know in on a global scale is in the billions of dollars and a lot of that is you know for people that you know uh, music is is a hobby or You know, they're not famous or anything. It's, there's plenty of money out there for those kind of creators. All you have to do is, as you say, kind of point a spotlight on it a bit. Hmm.
1: And so what was that number again? So there's like billions of dollars that are unclaimed.
0: Yeah. You know, so depending on the reports and, and things just now in the, in the U.S. with the, you know, MLC collective doing what they're doing and just U.S. royalties from digital platforms, you know, their initial report was 500 million. Of unclaimed royalties that publishers and songwriters and rights holders kind of have free access to hopefully claim and, and play a part in getting that. And after a certain amount of time, like many things in this industry, it gets redistributed to rights holders based on market share, which goes to the top 10% and you know, things of that nature. So it is can be a vicious cycle. And for an industry that for a very long time wasn't that accessible, you know, times have are starting to change. Yeah, so it's good. Hmm.
1: That kinda of just blows my mind that there's you know, five hundred million dollars of unclaimed, untapped, you know, revenue. It seems like now nowadays, with I don't know, technology, with the internet, that there should be systems in place to be able to identify yeah you know, where this money is owed to. Could you maybe illuminate a little bit about where does that mismatch come from? Like how does how does money go unclaimed? And it sounds like that's actually part of the model as well with song trusts, is that we help you know, to be able to make sure that it is claimed appropriately.
0: Yeah, it's it's really what you find in this industry. Is that it is incredibly data heavy. In many ways, I would would love to watch some parallels between this industry and finance because it is just an incredible amount of data exchange. And and the problem tends to be where that data originates. It's originating from a source where that's not their main focus, right? Creators Hmm. have something far greater in mind, art and you know, building a fan base and building a brand, and you know, at the forefront of their mind is, is something so far away from a data feed (laughs) that, you know, unfortunately, in many cases, the people that are in that room creating, you know, a song, that's the source, you know, so they know best, but because it's such a, you know, so far from their mind, you know, it takes time to kind of build that rights picture back. So unlike on the recording side, where a lot of times it's, it's pretty, the artist is who the artist is. And, you know, you put that album out there and, you know, the sales come back and it's, it's pretty straightforward. Distributions happen monthly. It, it just all kinds of aligns and the industry is set up to, to really accommodate that. On the songwriting publishing side, there can be 5, 10, 15 contributors to a song, and especially in this day and age with sampling. And it's potentially people that are on that song that you actually didn't sit in a room and work with. They wrote a song 50 years ago and you sampled it and now they're part of it so the complexity of of simply song shares and splits has become and then you can add in even some new age things the the ability to sell beats online to people you don't know and and lease beats and sell parts of your catalog and so it's just becoming it's always been complex you know a rights share when we deliver our registrations on, on behalf of our songwriters a single global rights picture could take up like an entire piece of paper you know, just outlining who's on the song, who represents them, what country we're claiming in, you know? And if we don't have that information correct, and many times we don't because people didn't confirm their splits at the time, or we don't know who their co-writers are. When we start delivering that and other publishers are delivering that, you can see where it can get complicated fast, Mis- mm-hmm. mismatching data, unknown songwriter names, incorrect splits, so on and so forth. And there is no real centralized place for this. The industry has tried different variations of this over time. The MLC is another opportunity here in the US to do that. But you know, just no database will ever have the same data on behalf of every song. And then you just have some people who quite simply don't know and that they should be claiming it or they're eligible to claim it. So it just sits for a few years and there's redistribution redistributed and, you know, it's, it's tough. I I don't know what the solution is to ever be perfect. There will always be people who simply think it's not enough or worth their time. And, but there's a lot of efforts. There's a lot of companies focusing on this that are very interesting at different levels of the creation process, which is good.
1: Hmm. Awesome. So, so it sounds like what you're saying is that both like a blessing and a curse is that as creators, we have a lot more control over this, and in in large part, you know, we're responsible for the the problem in the first place because we are the ones who are originating this. We're the sources of you know of this music, but we <laughs> might maybe haven't claimed or like we haven't let people know that we are the ones who actually wrote the songs. What happens? So, <clears throat> you mentioned that it's really pretty straightforward, like clear cut, when it comes to is it, is it like the mechanical royalties or when it comes to the actual like purchase of the sales? Because those, when you distribute them automatically, they just go back to your, like usually there's systems in place where it's just, you don't have to worry about it. It's going to go back to you. But when it comes to the the more um, thought-based work or like the songwriting shares, the publishing shares, that piece of it isn't connected to that same system. So that, that part, like if you don't do anything, then you just don't make it. It, it, and that's okay. And that's that's basically how it's how it's set up right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. The especially now, you know, distribution for all intents and purposes is pretty simple. You know, there's a lot of DIY services, or perhaps you do have a, a label. You know, in, in getting all of your works on all of the digital platforms, and even if you're doing vinyls and CDs, all of that is pretty streamlined now, and is yeah, mostly connected back to that single source whoever is the one that is distributing it. Whereas publishing is so far, there's so many moving parts and, and so many additional writers and publishers involved. So yeah, it, it's comparing the two. And then the recording side and the sales side is about, I, you know, I think now, usually about 75% of the income that comes in from the whole and you know the rest goes to publishing. So for a lot of creators, especially if they're doing well, that money is is fueling their career where they're happy enough to keep, keep on creating potentially ignoring that 25 um it's not uncommon yeah certainly wow i mean 25
1: percent is a pretty pretty big chunk just to yeah. leave on the table it does seem like i don't know just from a simplicity standpoint that it's like when you're distributing the music that there should just be some default tie-ins where it's like you know by default if you don't do anything then 100% of that publishing is going to go back to whoever you know published it kind of thing. And then if there's an interface to say, like, add, like were there any other writers that were involved with this? Like, yes or no? Like, yes? Okay. What were their names? Or And then you know, they have the identification system, right? Or you have to, like, grab, grab your IDs, if you're registered, you have to make sure you registered. So I guess that's where it starts to get more, more complicated. But it does seem like by default, the very least that, they, that it could be set up as is having it tied back into whoever published the song or distributed it, right?
0: Yeah. And, and we've seen more of this, you know, song Trust specifically is a pub admin business and mm-hmm. we don't do anything on the distribution side, but, you know, CD Baby also launched a publishing part of, you know, their company to try to simplify it. TuneCore, BeatStars teamed up with Sony ATV to do some pub admin. So we've seen more of it where the the two are connected especially with the majors owning a lot of, of the, the record side and also having a publishing arm. you know, If they were to sign a large writer or artist trying to keep it consolidated, there are certainly some efforts of that, but not as much as one would think. It's, it's very easy to sign a record deal over here and then six months later sign a publishing deal over there. You have different people representing you. Yeah, and it's just the cost and amount of work on the publishing side just doesn't quite parallel that of a distribution company and the timelines don't either. And and I think this can be a deterrent a lot of time for especially DIY creators is the distribution side, because it's been so efficient for so long and so accessible is quick. You, you kind of know what you're earning and can really get a sense of projecting out your income very easy on that side in the publishing side. Sometimes it takes a year to even start to see any money flow especially if it's international royalties, it can take longer. It's just most of the industry still works on a quarterly or biannual annual basis. So it can just be very discouraging. It just kind of can beat you down quite quickly. There's been some improvements here, but it's, it just is a slow moving part of the industry, even still to this day. And I think a lot of people probably are just like, ah, you know, if it happens, it happens. We'll see. So,
1: that's, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, a year is a pretty long time to have money that, you know, is, is your money in the hands of someone else who has a year to essentially like exploit that money, you know, before, before you get it. Yeah.
0: Interesting. And something, it's a very hard thing to sell as well as, you know, as a, as a company that does it or any of the companies that do it, you know, to, in an industry that trust is always a bit shaky. Especially, Mm -hmm. again, if you ever read some horror stories, historically speaking, you know, trust is a hard thing to build in this industry as a whole, but also on the publishing side and specifically on the publishing side. So to try to sell a product where it's like, you know, trust us, it's going to take a year, hopefully not, but it might take a year before you start seeing any real income from uh, the same streams or usage that you got paid on 10 months ago on the record side, it's a very hard thing to sell. And, and I would completely under, understand where creators are probably like, I don't know if this is the quite the right thing. And then what happens and is happening more is people start to jump around. They'll use one publisher, be unhappy, move to another publisher, be unhappy, move to another publisher, be unhappy. So, and it's, it's a cycle and every time they move around the work that's needed to be done to change the rights picture and who's holding onto that admin is way more complicated than people would think, which just adds to that timeline, unfortunately. Hmm. So <laughs> it's, it's a pretty vicious cycle, yeah.
1: Huh, that's, that's definitely interesting. Yeah, so, so it sounds like the real kind of root issue to a lot of like the time cycle is just the way that these royalties are paid out and not necessarily having like a fully centralized source of truth for for these things and having to collect these and so b- basically like everyone's on the same playing field in terms of like having to wait for you know these long amounts of times There, there's one thing point that, that i would love to get your perspective on as being someone who's worked at you know very large companies and then made a, dec- a life decision to, to say I'm going to take a bit of a more of a leap of faith and I actually want to work with this startup that for some people it might be hard to like wait, like there's like, you know, you're part of this major company uh, and then you decided to move to to a startup. So I'd love to hear you talk about sort of the differences between a startup kind of culture and some of the benefits and and kind of the things that we can take away from that sort of culture versus maybe a culture of bureaucracy. Like what are like the pros and cons and of, especially for artists who are, who are listening to this right now, they might sometimes feel like they're at a disadvantage compared to major artists because they don't have the same backing of that, you know, b- big system when in some cases they actually like, if they lean into the advantages wow. of that, they it can be a huge momentum shift. So I'd love to see your, your thought on, on that whole dynamic.
0: Yeah. It, there's, you know, there's, certainly multiple ways to go about anything and my time with the majors was very eye-opening in many positive ways certainly you know just the the power of influence from companies like that and working you know with the artists that they work with and seeing that especially when I worked in some of the mechanical licensing so doing licensing with um, you know the release of CDs and, and albums at the time prior to streaming being you know super relevant. What I worked on a lot was art, some of our indie releases. And what I would notice is there are so many artists on our roster that were paid very large advances and, and kind of maybe promised a, a lot or a, assumed they were promised a lot, end up getting caught in some of that big bureaucratic cycle where resources shift to what's kind of hot at the moment. you know. So, And if you aren't being pushed in that world, uh, you know, it's hard to make back some of that money sometimes based on the contracts you're signing, you know? So, so that was one thing from a major, when things are going really well, they're going really well. When they're not, you know, you kind of have to be careful of the choices you make in that realm. But what I always tell, you know, especially people with major perspective, there's a reason, you know, they're a machine and they can change your life in a second. And and I think a lot of people respect that, but yeah, as a worker, it, I just, there wasn't a lot of opportunity for me as, as someone very young in my career to make an impact, to change the way we did things within our systems, you know, whether it was any sort of admin type of related things. But the machine was just too big at that point, it, you know, to, to change something, you have to go all the way up the ladder and do that. So that's what I became problem. It wasn't so much what there was to offer or, or the majors opposed to. Not at that time for me personally, it was simply like, I was like, I, I want to have an impact and I really want to change the way I can see where there's problems and mm-hmm. I want to be a part of the industry conversation, not just assume we're sitting at the top and everything kind of works for us. For example, if money doesn't get paid, eventually it comes to the top percent of, of companies, you know, gets redistributed by market share. So the industry works really well for them. So there's not a reason to change. So when I saw Song Trust, it was definitely a personal decision of just being like I think I can have some impact here. What I found, and very fortunately, was that was the case. We were a part of all the conversations similar to this and going to working groups and because we were so small and with such lofty goals, I had to I was forced to learn a lot. So instead of working on sync licensing and mechanical licensing, I learned the whole picture of copyright, everything that had to do from royalties being paid to working with creators to make sure their data was correct. And if something wasn't working, we changed it. Uh, And working with our partners, so a lot of the performance rights societies who are also very large companies rooted in historic ways of doing things, being able to have conversations with being, you know, unlike a traditional publisher who maybe signs 10 writers a month, we have 5,000. So how are we going to do that? And try new things. So for me, it was, it was purely about trying to find ways to scale the publishing industry, which I was very familiar with not being scalable, at least from the majors, because there was no reason to. So yeah, it, it was just being a part of a conversation and asking questions that nobody wanted to ask, and finding the right people. You know, I certainly wasn't the first one. You know, there's a underlying back end of this industry of people trying to come up with unique ways of doing this in every possible way you could imagine. And it was just being a part of that. And then extending that to the creators of being like, hey, this isn't so scary. It's complicated, but like be a part of the conversation so that you're prepared as this industry gets better, you can kind of come along with us. Um, So yeah, it was just opening doors, asking questions, whether it was to the industry or to the creators connecting the dots because the industry doesn't always work so well for the long tail or for those that kind of stay in their lane so you gotta be a little disruptive of which song trust was we were certainly a little disruptive at first and maybe even still a little because we are very large
1: all right let's take a quick break from the podcast so i can tell you about a free special offer that we're doing right now exclusively for our podcast listeners So if you get a ton of value from the show, but you want to take your music career to the next level, connect with a community of driven musicians and connect with the music mentors directly that we have on this podcast. Or if you just want to know the best way to market your music and grow an audience right now, then this is going to be perfect for you. So right now we're offering a free two week trial to our music mentor coaching program. And if you sign up in the show notes below, you're going to get access to our entire Music Mentor Content Vault for free. The vault's organized into four different content pillars, the first being the music, then the artist, the fans, and last but not least, the business. When you sign up, you'll unlock our best in-depth masterclasses from a network of world-class musicians and industry experts, on the most cutting-edge strategies right now for growing your music business. On top of that, you'll get access to our weekly live masterminds, where our highest-level modern musician coaches teach you exactly what they're doing to make an income and an impact with their music. Then once a month, we're going to have our Music Mentor Spotlight Series. And that's where we're going to bring on some of the world's biggest and best artist coaches and successful musicians to teach you what's working right now. And one of the most amazing parts is that you can get your questions answered live by these top-level music mentors. So a lot of the people that you hear right here on the podcast, are there live interacting with you personally. So imagine being able to connect with them directly. On top of all that, you'll get access to our private Music Mentor community. And this is definitely one of my favorite parts of Music Mentor and and maybe the most valuable is that you're going to have this this community where you can network with other artists and link up, collaborate, ask questions, get support, and discuss everything related to your music career. So if you're curious and you want to take advantage of the free trial, then go click on the link in the show notes right now and sign up for free. Uh, From there, you can check out all of the amazing content, uh, connect with the community, and sign up for the live masterclasses that happen every week. This is a gift for listening to our podcast, supporting the show. Uh, so don't miss it out. Go sign up for free now, and uh, let's get back to our interview. Awesome. Yeah, th- thanks for sharing that. and it, It's definitely interesting. I, I think that it does, does have a lot of parallels to a lot of us musicians who are listening to this right now, especially if we're indies, and you know, we may or may not have aspirations to, to get signed by a major record label but there are pros and cons to it. And you're know, kind of leaning into your advantages and the things, your strengths that you have right now. And one of those, it sounds like, is the ability to move quickly, to move really quickly and do things on your own terms where you don't have to, you don't have to sacrifice your own vision or creativity. Like you can literally just, you know, carve the path yourself, which is a pretty cool opportunity. You, so You, you hold yeah. a lot
0: of power too, in that regard. You know, we have a couple examples recently. I won't many names but we've had a couple clients who quite frankly were very much the long tail um, just in the last few weeks and come to find out that they've all gone viral there's three of them separately of themselves one was a band from the 2014 that broke up and they had a song and now it's going viral on TikTok. and they just happened to have all of their things registered with us and you know they had all of their information and data as a result of of working with someone, even though they really weren't making a whole lot of money in order. And now that money's flowing in, so in many ways they hold that opportunity to say, you know, you know, here's real cash flow. You know, they could take that to a major publisher, and and have all of their information ready to go. They're they're prepared to have that conversation. Another one was a young girl who went viral on TikTok. Also, you know, she distributed her own music and had her own publishing set up. Again, really wasn't making money, but was prepared for what now is happening. Mm -hmm. Her data's all aligned and it's not unfamiliar to her. She probably will also sign a major deal probably by the end of the year, I would reckon. And that's just interesting because the industry is set up for some of that, you know, virality for creators now. doesn't mean everybody's going to become famous overnight, but if you're prepared for it on the, the back end. It's not so scary when the wheels start turning as fast yeah. as they can, because I could only imagine what's going through their minds right now as their whole world's shifting, right, so. Cool,
1: yeah, that's that's super interesting. And yeah, who knows now with TikTok and whatever the next thing is. Yeah, you know, things things can go viral very quickly. The analogy that comes to mind as you, as you describe that, and this one I use in a slightly different context, but applies really nicely to this situation. Is it sounds like in this sense, you know, having things the foundation set up on Song Trust or making sure that your data that everything is set up, whether you're getting a lot of traction right now or not, is sort of like you know, building a rain catcher, and then maybe a year or two from now, there's a massive storm, you know, like one of your songs goes viral, and all of a sudden it starts raining. And you know, if you hadn't done that work of building this rain catcher then all of that rain would have went into the ground and then it would have got you know, distributed to ever somewhere else. But because you kind of had your foundation in order, you had this rain catcher. Now, you know, you're actually properly collecting that rain as it falls.
0: Yeah. And it, it takes, it can be hard to do that, right. To take the time in the moment to prepare for, but the people that are prepared, uh, you know, look back on it. Like, I'm so glad I did that, you know, whatever it was. And I don't think it's that different in this industry. It's hard to want to learn the business side of of this industry. But I think those that do feel very confident in what their next step is, hopefully have a sense of peace that they can kind of handle the creative business as they do, knowing that they, they know enough to get by and maybe have the right alliances along the way too, Mm. whether that's a company like us or, you know, a major or whatever it might be that fits their, you know, where they're at in their career. Mm. Awesome.
1: So uh, I'd love to hear from you in terms of, let's say that someone's listening to this right now and they're like, okay, awesome. Like it's time for me. I didn't even realize like that this whole other world existed and I need to make sure I'm not giving up 25% of my, of my potential income. Where do they get started? And you know, what, and when it comes to making sure that they have their data set up appropriately or like that they can set up their rain catcher so that it's prepared for when and if that storm happens, where would you recommend that they get started with it?
0: Yeah, I think the first part is just in in I think this is actually a part of the creative process really uh, is who you're working with, you know? It's if you're a solo artist and you write all of your own music and make all of your own, you know, instrumentals and lyrics and do all of that, then this world's pretty easy, quite frankly. But that I think that's more and more people are collaborating, which is great. So it's understanding who you're collaborating with. There's so many um Opportunities to collaborate with people that aren't in a garage anymore and all of this. So, if you're using services that promote that and allow for that, do you understand the offering of that service? Because many of them in their contracts have it all laid out that if you sell this instrumental, you have 50% in there, you know, so on and so forth. So, you know, if you're in the room, if you're in the studio making with a handful of people, uh, maybe it's a little uncomfortable, but have that conversation. Hey, did. What did we contribute to this? Are we splitting it evenly? You know, did so-and-so do more? Uh, And there actually are some companies that are trying to implement that conversation into the software of DAW systems and things like that, uh, which is really interesting to kind of help them have those conversations as you're- Yeah, if someone else can be the person
1: who who like kind of like puts up their hand, they're like, hey, brother, way, guys, you got to do this. Like, oh, well, Jeff in the corner there, classic Jeff. I guess (laughs) he's right, though. Jeff, he's right. We got to talk about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, And I would say, you know, I've worked on a lot of licensing over the years where albums that have made a lot of money can't be paid out because people don't agree on splits. You know, Mm -hmm. Jeff thought he was getting 20 percent, but everybody else thought he was getting five. And that doesn't hold the money up just for Jeff. It holds the money for everyone. So if if you're doing this to make a living and pay your bills and, you know, it's it's your career choice. I would just put an asterisk of being like. Then you have to make sure you get paid and making sure you get paid means understanding who contributed to a song and just being honest within the group so if you're in the room be honest with it if you're using other services you know do a little bit of homework getting that rights picture is very important and then go from there are you affiliated songwriter you know are you a member of ASCAP or BMI or CSAC or you know PRS in the UK you know wherever you're based if if the music you're releasing is making money especially Another thing, to be honest with yourself, of is this actually monetizing? I think I just read recently there's 100,000 tracks uploaded to Spotify every day. Uh, so the amount of content that's going out in the world is a lot. Unfortunately, that doesn't mean that all 100,000 tracks will earn money, probably. So there's also a conversation to be had about that. But once you cross that threshold and know who you're working with, agree on it, become affiliated as a songwriter, you can start to discuss whether or not someone like song trust or another pub admin is necessary. uh, You know, especially if you're earning globally and don't just assume that companies like if you sign a record deal or music publishing deal that everything's happening the way it should ask questions, you know, be, be a fly on the wall, you know, be involved and listen and make sure that, you anticipate is happening from those companies actually you know they're not afraid to to share with you those details and be helpful Mm -hmm. because you know there's so much going on in this industry it's not uncommon for things to go into conflict or to be in counterclaims so you, you just you want to you don't want to wait two years to realize something went wrong
1: hey I to bring things back to this analogy but our pest control guy just came like two or three hours ago <laughs> and he told me he's like oh yeah like this is a pretty common thing happening because of the storm because of the rainwater. you know if you want to prevent this then you know once a week this bathroom you know you don't use it very often but you might want to run some hot water through the drains and that's going to like make sure that they wash down any cockroach, like they're not going to climb up and what mine went to, as you're describing, like, yeah, like you want to be involved, like you want to kind of have maintain conversation, just so, like, you know, there is a light that's being like shown on it, sort of like turning on the, the hot water, like let the drain run a little bit. Yeah, sorry, I had to, I had
0: to share that, um, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, because we, you know, not specifically us, but just any company, we're certainly invested, you know, obviously your, you know, a creator's success and our success of, you know, distributing those rights is important to our success, but it doesn't mean things can't go wrong. You know, mm-hmm. we we deliver data to so many partners. There's so many systems involved and data is being shared with them from other writers and other publishers involved on those songs. You know, there's always so many opportunities for something to go wrong, um, like anything in the world, right? But so, yeah, being involved, asking questions once in a while, taking a look at your statements, the does, does things add up, you know, if you thought you were going to make ten thousand dollars and you've only made five hundred maybe it's time to ask a question you know and it's okay to do that it's like i said it's your livelihood it's your living Mm -hmm. so it's okay to be you know whatever you want to call it, involved pushy you know and everything so ask ask questions yeah yeah Yeah.
1: totally awesome you know one thing that uh, if i remember right song trust it seems like one of your missions or one service that you do such an amazing job at is providing education and resources for anyone any artist to be able to educate themselves and learn how to, like what what's the actual checklist you know if they do you have uh, any sort of resource that someone could go to on the website that they could just kind of walk through like oh like I here's step one step two step three step four to just kind of check my bases and make sure that I that I am claiming w- what I should be claiming
0: yeah we have a you know a few we certainly have like a music publishing 101 almost like a book that we've produced over the years. That's very involved and you know, a bit, it's jumping into the weeds a little bit, but to the ability that you want to really get into it. But yeah, we also have, you know, there's some links on our how to and in our blog that will basically walk you through of just being like, you know, to be successful, just do these things. And again, it's, it's kind of understanding your data, getting affiliated and registering things correctly and and all of that that walk you through. But yeah, the educational part of song trust and, you know, I'm glad to have been a part of it in the early days to, to contribute to a lot of those was to demystify it. Maybe sometimes to a fault, you know, it's when you, the more content you put out educationally, the more questions arise and people bring up really good points. And it's kind of having to be a bit, you know, especially as a company or as an industry being a bit vulnerable in being like, you know, here's everything. It's complicated. Ask your questions and and not always having the best of answers. Right. You know, it's, the worst thing I've had to say over my career is, unfortunately, sometimes that's just the way it is, which hurts like deep down. But <laughs> there are some realities of that in this industry that, again, are changing. But yeah, I, I would, uh, education-wise, what we've put together over, I've been at Song Trust now for seven years, but maybe even going back a bit further over the last 10 years, um, especially as it relates to music publishing, is, I would like to think second to none. It is something we put a lot of time and effort into. We have whole teams that focus on it and work with other companies in this industry to, to make sure that we're accurate and also providing knowledge and perspective that isn't exclusively coming from within our own office. We bring people from other companies and other parts of the industry to also share what they have um, so that it's not so singular. And it, it's it's great. I, I'm really proud of it, quite frankly.
1: Mm. Absolutely. I mean, you should be providing an incredible service. And and I think that mindset too is so powerful and and honest, right? Of the being willing to receive questions or ask questions and acknowledge that not every question, like we're going to know the answer, but every question, you know, it it opens up something, right? And it allows you to, to learn. But the truth is that we're all, you know, sort of figuring stuff out together. And there's a lot of good questions that don't necessarily have answers yet, but by asking the questions, we kind of create new movements. Mm. So <clears throat> I would love to hear your your take on having both a lot of experience with you know majors and sort of the history of publishing and and royalty management and admin and data collection as it relates to this. If we were kind of zooming out And looking over the next year, five years, even 10 years and kind of looking at trends and thinking about what are some of the biggest revolutions or like game changers or, or different ways that we're kind of moving towards? Obviously, you know, the future is, is untold and things are changing so quickly right now that who knows, like, you know, if you asked me 10 years ago, what I'd be doing right now, I certainly don't, wouldn't be like, yeah, this is where I'd be right now doing this and have three kids. But with your with your experience and just like with where things are at right now, I'd love to hear your perspective on where things are moving and what are some of the biggest kind of trends that, that, we're, that you're seeing?
0: Yeah, I think there will always be a place for the majors. You know, there, there just is what they can provide financially and marketing and, and branding and, you know, building a career for, for someone. It's hard to replicate that, you know, the, this industry still is designed that way. And, and, and I think that's okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with that 1% or 10% that fall into that realm. And, 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 And I think it's also a bit of a career checklist, even to this day for a lot of people that want to sign and have that moment. And it's very gratifying and completely understand that. And there will always be a place for that. What I've seen, you know, shifting for a long time, and we see it more than ever with all the tools and accessibility to do this yourself um, and what that can mean financially, you know, it it has allowed so many more creators to be self-sustaining whether it's DIY distribution or DIY publishing or the, the ability again to collaborate with people around the world. And so many people are making careers off selling instrumentals and beats and the, the marketplaces that have really arrived to, to power this. And, you know, just the overall cost to make an album these days or a song is, I mean, it's almost nothing. What I think I'm seeing more so now is just the power that some of these digital services have, uh, quite frankly. And I'm Obviously, I think a lot of people notice this and not even just from going viral on TikTok or, you know, creating a a brand within Spotify and doing music or podcasts or, you know, and so on and so forth. But actually, these companies fostering a lot of talent as well in, in investing back into the creator community, you know, you know, using TikTok or in parent company, ByteDance, as an example, you know, they have a new offering called SoundOn, which is their own version of a distribution company. And as Spotify, I think tried this at one point, I don't know if they still do quite honestly, but you see these services trying to say, you know, maybe we are in many ways the new age marketing company or a record label in trying to build that in a way that's not just replicating what all the majors have done, you know, not just signing the top ones, but actually being a marketplace for people to foster the potential to succeed. And, and I think that is will be really interesting to see, to watch develop as some of these companies that quite frankly control a lot of the digital music are also getting involved in that community in supporting it because their success, it's a circle, right? Yeah. Creators are successful, they're successful, everyone's mm-hmm. successful and happy. But it does cut out a lot of middlemen in that regard too, um, which isn't a bad thing either. I would say and hope that a lot of these digital services are prepared, you know, to foster what that all means, but you know, the data and and all of that. But I think that's interesting, you know, will TikTok or, you know, whoever be able to foster the rise of people going viral and actually manage a, a music career, um, Maybe. Well, hopefully. So that's interesting. But I just think I'm also maybe on the flip side of that coin, a little concerned with so much. There's so much being granted to creators and so much accessibility that it almost becomes complicated again. You know, it's, it's, we wanted to give you all the options to choose what's path is best for you, but now you have a lot of options. <laughs> so in and, and every option has a consequence, not to sound, you know, negative or anything, but just a, an example use perhaps, uh, a, a lot of artists are selling their catalogs these days. You see it almost like on a weekly basis. So-and-so sold their catalog for however much money. Uh, the ability to do that as an average artist is actually something mm-hmm. someone can do, you can sell part of your publishing catalog for whatever amount someone's willing to pay for it. And maybe you want to do that so you can raise 20 grand to release studio quality album. But it's like, do you actually understand what the ramifications of that could be? You know, losing out on future residual income and, you know, having a more complicated rights picture. You know, if you sell instrumentals online, do you understand what you're giving up by doing it? Did you read the fine print? You know, all these things. So with new opportunities certainly comes more responsibility as well, I think. So it's a marketplace that's being created to the individual but now there might be a little more responsibility on that individual so it's like kind of reap what you sow if you're good at it you'll be successful if you struggle with that you're kind of back in that place of uncertainty
1: hmm. super interesting yeah the the creator economy kind of the movement yeah. back back in the giving greater access greater really potential and power directly in the hands of the creators yeah <laughs> it'll be it'll be interesting we'll see what, over the next five ten years what what happens but thank you so much for for your role in song trust i know you've been there since there was like 10 people on on the team and you've helped to really shape it into incredible service and thank you for taking time to to talk today and shine a light on you know some of the darkness the dark area that might be confusing or obfuscated to people not to say that there's like you know there's just a bunch of cockroaches there's like all oh, this like greedy like evil people but you know to, to be able to shine a light in this analogy just to clarify things whether there's any ill intent or, or not i think is is huge hugely valuable and so for anyone who's listening or, or watching this right if they'd like to learn more about song trust and get access to those resources and dive deeper what's the best place for them to go
0: to do that yeah you know go to the website songtrust.com check out the how-to check out the blog if you Using a service like Trust is something that looks like it could benefit your career. You know, we have support. Reach out via the website. Ask some questions. You know, be curious. And we'll certainly get back to you as quick as we can and, and have those conversations. And, you know, I'm always accessible as well. LinkedIn, any of that. I'm always happy to have these conversations. I have my whole career. They're a bit rejuvenating to speak to creators individually and everything. So I'm always available as well.
1: Awesome. Cool. Well, like always, we'll put all the links and everything on the show notes. And yeah, thanks again. I know that sometimes this kind of stuff is easy to overlook or just it can seem complicated and, and so we just avoid looking at it. And so I think that having a platform like SongTrust to be able to shine a light on it is super valuable for the creator economy and, and for all the independent artists, like the people who are listening to this right now.
0: Yeah. And best of luck, (laughs) you know, it's, it can be fun. Enjoy it, you know, the ride and everything, so. (laughs)
1: that's some good good life life lesson right there i talk about that sometimes about how it's like you know we all are gonna end up at the same place where like we're on our deathbed and we're about to say goodbye to everything so it is it's true that's a very like humbling point to get back to like oh yeah like i'm gonna at some point like all this stuff that feels crazy and really important is i'm about to say goodbye pretty crazy cool hey man great great connecting with you looking forward to staying in touch we'll put the links everything in the show notes and i'll talk to you again soon
0: all right, sounds great. Thanks
1: for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guests today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then I'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That, that really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's gonna help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music career to the next level. It's time to be a Modern Musician now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.